Chapter Six of Marjorie Dean, High School Sophomore by Pauline Lester. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter Six Mary's Disturbing Discovery. Once outside the study hall, Marjorie Dean's proud manner left her. Her recent joy in returning to high school gave place to a feeling of deep dejection. Everything had certainly gone wrong. She had had so many pleasant little thrills of anticipation that she had quite forgotten Miss Merton and the teacher's unreasoning dislike for her, which she had never taken pains to conceal. Muriel's injudicious remarks had made a bad matter worse. Marjorie knew that from now on she would have to be doubly on her guard. It was evident that Miss Merton intended to take her to task whenever the slightest opportunity presented itself. Marjorie even had her suspicions that Miss Merton had known that it was Muriel instead of herself who had uttered those distinctly unflattering words. "'I'll have to be very careful not to offend Miss Merton.' She ruminated gloomily as she stood waiting for Mary, her eyes fastened on the big study hall door. Then her thoughts switched from Miss Merton to Constance Stevens. Why hadn't Connie come to school? Surely she could not be ill. Perhaps Charlie was sick. The opening of the study hall door interrupted her worried reflections. Mary emerged from the hall, looking like a young thundercloud. She closed the door after her with a resounding bang, which conveyed more than words. "'Of all the hateful old tyrants!' she exclaimed as she hurried toward Marjorie. "'I despise her. How dared she treat you so?' "'Oh, never mind,' soothed Marjorie. "'Let us forget her. Tell me, are you or are you not a sophomore?' or must we go to Miss Archer to straighten things out? I'm a sophomore all right enough, said Mary grimly. I told her what Miss Archer said, and after that she treated me more civilly. Such a teacher is a disgrace to a school. Why is she so bitter against you, Marjorie? Marjorie shrugged her shoulders. I don't know. She has always acted like that toward me. It's just a natural dislike, I suppose. Sometimes, after a teacher has taught school a great many years, she takes sudden likes and dislikes. I've been in her black books since my very first day in Sanford High. Poor old lieutenant. Mary patted Marjorie's hand with sympathetic affection. Oh, it doesn't matter. I don't really care much. There are so many nice teachers here who do like me that I'm not going to worry over Miss Merton. Come along. She linked her arm in Mary's. The girls will be waiting for us outside. We are all going down to Sergeant's for ice cream. Then we'll go home and report to Captain. After luncheon, I think we had better walk over to Grey Gables. I'm afraid Connie or perhaps little Charlie is sick. You know Connie promised us, when we were there on Friday, that she'd see us at school. Mary's face clouded. I... 
I think I won't go to Grey Gables with you. I must write to Mother. Besides, you and Constance may wish to be by yourselves. Marjorie's brown eyes opened wide. Why should we? she asked. You know you are always first with me. I haven't any secrets from you. Mary's face brightened. Perhaps she had been too hasty in her conclusions. I wish you would tell me all about yourself and Constance, she said slowly. You promised you would. Well, I will, began Marjorie. Then she paused and flushed slightly. It had suddenly come to her that perhaps Constance would not care to have Mary know of the clouds of suspicion that had hung so heavily over her freshman year. I'd love to tell you about it now, Mary, but I think I had better ask Constance first if she is willing for me to do so. You see, it concerns her more than me. I'm almost sure she wouldn't mind, but I'd rather be perfectly fair and ask her first. You know Captain and General have always said to us, never break a confidence. A hurt look crept into Mary's face. Oh, never mind, she managed to say with a brave assumption of indifference. I don't wish to know about it if you don't care to tell me. But I do care to tell you, and I will if Connie says I may, assured Marjorie earnestly. Mary had no time for further remark. They had reached the double entrance doors to the building and were hailed by a crowd of girls at the foot of the steps. "'Oh, Connie!' Marjorie Dean cried out delightedly. She had spied her friend among them. Constance ran forward to meet Marjorie and Mary. "'I couldn't come before. I've been to the train. Father is here.' He's going to be at home for two days. And what do you think he wishes me to do? You are not going away with him? asked Marjorie in sudden alarm. No, indeed. I couldn't give up my sophomore year here, even for him. It isn't anything so serious. He proposed that as long as he was here to play for us, it would be a good idea to... Give a dance, ended Jerry Macy. Hurrah for Mr. Stevens. Long may he wave. Yes, you have guessed it, Jerry, laughed Constance. I'm going to give a party in honour of Mary. I was so excited over it that I left him to go on to Grey Gables by himself, while I rushed over here as fast as I could come. I wanted to catch you girls together so I could invite you in a body. Jerry, do you suppose Hal would be willing to see Laurie and the Crane and some of our boys? It will have to be a strictly informal hop, for I haven't time to send out invitations. Of course he'll round up the crowd, assured Jerry slangily. If he doesn't, I will. I guess I won't go to Sergeant's with you. What is mere ice cream when compared to a dance? Besides, it's fattening, the ice cream, I mean. I've lost five pounds this summer and I'm not going to find them again at Sargent's if I can help it. So long, I'll see you all tonight. Jerry bustled off on her errand, leaving her friends engaged in an eager discussion of the coming festivity.
A little later they trooped down the street to their favourite rendezvous, where most of their pocket money found a resting place. "'We won't have a single bit of appetite for luncheon,' commented Marjorie to Mary when, an hour later, they set out for home. "'I suppose not,' assented Mary indifferently. Her thoughts were far from the subject of luncheon. Her jealousy of Constance Stevens was thoroughly aroused and flaming. She wished Marjorie had never seen nor heard of this hateful girl. And to think that Constance had announced that she was going to give a party in honour of her, the very person she had robbed of her best friend. It was insufferable. What could she do? If she refused to go, Marjorie and all those girls would wonder. She could give no reasonable excuse for declining to go at this late day. She told herself she would rather die than have Marjorie know how deeply she had hurt her. Oh well, she was not the first martyr to the cause of friendship. She would try to bear it. Perhaps, some day, Marjorie, too, would know the bitterness of being supplanted. It was an unusually quiet Mary who slipped into her place at luncheon that day. "'What is the matter, dear?' asked Mrs. Dean, noting the girl's silence. "'Don't you feel well?' "'Oh, I'm all right,' she made reply, torturing her sober little face into a smile. "'Mary had troubles of her own this morning, Captain,' explained Marjorie. Then she launched forth into an account of the morning's happenings. Mrs. Dean looked her indignation as her daughter's recital progressed. She had met Miss Merton and disliked her on sight. "'I have no wish to interfere in your school life, Marjorie,' she said with a touch of sternness when Marjorie had finished. "'But I will not hear of either of you being imposed upon.' If Miss Merton continues her unjust treatment, I shall insist that you tell me of it. I shall take measures to have it stopped. Captain won't stand having her army abused, laughed Marjorie. At least you must admit that I'm a conscientious officer, was her mother's reply. To change the subject, would you like to go shopping with me this afternoon? Oh, yes chorused the two. Even Mary forgot her grievances for that moment. As little girls, they had always hailed the idea of shopping with their beloved captain. The shopping tour took up the greater part of the afternoon, and it was five o'clock when the two started for home. "'No lingering at the dinner-table tonight for this army,' declared Marjorie, finishing her dessert in a hurry. "'It's almost seven, Mary.' We'll have to hurry upstairs to dress for the dance. You didn't apply to me for a leave of absence, reminded Mr. Dean. You know the penalty for deserting. We've forgotten it, General. You can tell us what it is tomorrow, retorted Marjorie. Come on, Mary, salute your officers and away we go. In the excitement of dressing for the dance, Mary almost forgot that she was about to enter the house of the girl she now believed she disliked. Marjorie's praise of her pretty white chiffon evening frock almost restored her to good humour. 
Marjorie herself was radiant in a gown of apricot georgette crepe and filmy lace. Mrs. Dean had elected to drive them to their destination in the automobile, and when they alighted from the machine at the gate to Grey Gables, waving her a gay good night, Mary felt almost glad that she had come and that the dance was to be given in her honour. "'I've been waiting for you.' A slender figure in pale blue ran down the steps to meet them. Out of pure sentiment, Constance Stevens had chosen to wear the blue chiffon dress, Marjorie's gracious gift to her. She had taken the utmost care of it, and it looked almost as fresh as on the night she had first worn it. Mary Raymond stared at her in amazement. Could it be? Yes, it was the very gown that Marjorie's aunt had given her a year ago as a commencement present. Had not Marjorie declared over and over again that she would never part with it? And now she had deliberately given it to Constance. This proved beyond a doubt where Marjorie's true affection lay. Mary was obsessed with a wild desire to turn and run down the drive and away from this hateful girl. This was, indeed, the last straw. End of chapter 6 Recording by Ashley Jane